You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today we have a very special episode in conjunction with the Unbeaten Path Podcast and their host, Sean Seacrest. I had the opportunity to be on the Unbeaten Path Podcast, and I enjoyed it so much. I felt that there was so much value in that conversation that I had with Sean that I'd like to share it here with you today. Uh, This interview is actually an interview with me where I go over everything from starting under 30 experiences, traveling around the world for the past six years. Uh, We go into things like meditation, how to monetize your online business, lots and lots of failures that uh, both Jared and I, my co-founder, have had to face in the past, building a travel company, building under30ceo.com. We talk about personal transformation, uh, all the things that you can learn by getting out of your comfort zone. It really is an amazing conversation, all thanks to Sean, of course. So with that, listen in, and I hope you really enjoy it. As always, send me any feedback that you might have on any of the Live Different Podcast episodes, matt at under30experiences.com. If you like the episode, I'd be super appreciative if you could review us on iTunes, spread the love, share it with a friend who might need it, who might need a little bit of a kick in the ass to get out there and do something awesome with their life. Would love to hear from you guys. Uh, you can always reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram, Matt Wilson TV. And at this point, I will let Sean take it away. Matt, welcome to the Unbeaten Path. Thank you, sir. Very glad to have you on. And if I'm not mistaken, not, not mistaken, you're joining us all the way from Costa Rica. You know, today I happen to be in Brooklyn, New York, doing a whirlwind USA trip to visit family and also work out of our office in Austin, Texas. I head back to Austin tomorrow, but end of the year, I will be back down in Costa Rica for the season. That sounds pretty good. And I was going to say, I was pretty jealous because yesterday I'm in Chicago and it was that first switch over to that real winter month and the wind hit me when I walked outside and I was like, what the hell am I doing? And then I thought, you're living in Costa Rica, the guy I'm interviewing tomorrow and I need to take a page out of his book. (laughs) Seriously, I went outside today with my four-year-old nieces in New York and I was frozen like an icicle and they were out there hardly, yeah, without jackets. And I thought, oh geez, I've really softened up since living on the beach in Costa Rica. Yeah, yeah, that's not a bad thing though. What? Uh, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in in New York, suburban New York. Uh, yeah, always looking to do stuff in the outdoors. So yeah, just just upstate near Poughkeepsie, if you know where that is. Uh, a bit actually. And do you have one story from your childhood that could give us a glimpse into what it's like growing up in Capis in Upper State New York? <laughs> Poughkeepsie, <so> yeah. <laughs> Poughkeepsie. It means something like. Uh, Lean to by no, it doesn't mean lean to by the Hudson River. It means like small teepee on a hill or something. Uh, anyway, I mean, I literally had the Appalachian Trail going through my backyard, so it was pretty awesome to be uh, so close to nature. Uh, now I wasn't in the, I didn't grow up in the, the grow up near the uh, volcanic. Uh, glaciers of Iceland or anything like that. Now, where we go with the under 30 experiences trip. So, we've stepped it up a little bit. But yeah, I grew up really close to the outdoors and I loved camping. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, I used to go with our local Boy Scout troop to uh, the highest mountain in the Catskills. The name of it escapes me at the moment. I, uh, I had not thought of the story before we started recording, but you know, we hike up in the snow and there's three feet of snow and you know, we're at, we have snowshoes and crampons and all that kind of gear with us. And we had our sleds and we would literally uh, get in the sled at the top of the mountain after an exhausting hike for you know, 12, 13 year old kids and sled down through the hi- on the hiking trail. And it was just 
treacherous. He's, you know, all the kids are basically flying off cliffs and going headfirst, dive bombing. And uh, yeah, I mean, to sleep out in the snow, that's a, that's a really amazing thing, a really amazing opportunity to be able to survive in the wild. So, uh, that's, that was my start to the, the outdoors, I would say. That sounds pretty awesome. And so, obviously, there's the beginning of your outdoor relationship. But what happens with the entrepreneurial side of things? Did you have any influences growing up that would have been through like your family or friends that would have led you down that route? Uh, I don't know per se if it was family or friends, but more as the world around me. And I was just very entrepreneurial at the beginning of my life. I remember probably being... Well, my brother was in diapers and he is two and a half years younger than I am. So, not very old. I was probably five years old and, you know, slinging lemonade at the lemonade stand. <laughs> and uh, I would have my brother run into the middle of the street with his xylophone and his diaper. I have a clearer picture of this in my head and uh, start, you know, start banging on his xylophone to get people to come over and buy their, their lemonade. And I remember we had little Dixie cups and it was five or 10 cents cups of ice cream with, you know, the probably extremely toxic uh, lemonade mix that my mom bought at whatever the local chain grocery store is. And uh, yeah, she she taught me actually my first lesson about uh, inventory and overhead because, you know, I was going to go and pay out the neighborhood kids who were working for me. And she said, well, wait a second, you're, you know, you're giving all your profits away here. What are you doing? I said, well, what do you what do you mean? Like I'm five, what the hell is profit? <laughs> and she's saying, Well, somebody's gotta, you know, somebody has to pay the water bill for the water to make the lemonade. And we had to freeze the ice cubes. So what about the electricity? And uh, you know, we gotta calculate some of these costs so you can learn about these things. So I would yeah, shout out to my mom for for that lesson. Yeah, that's pretty great. And does that get you hooked right away in the entrepreneurship mindset? And were you that guy growing up who through like middle school and high school had their little businesses or like side hustles going on all the time? Instantly, I was hooked. I mean, I used to go to the local golf course, pick golf balls out of the lake and I would sell them on eBay. That was my first internet business. Actually, before I had a uh, eBay account, you know, 56K dial up, I actually had a friend and he was a couple years older and he would sell them for a cut. And I would, you know, I knew all the fairways where uh, people would slice the ball into the woods and I'd, I'd have my secret spots to find the balls. And I knew that uh, Titleist golf balls were more expensive than top flight on eBay. And so, that's that, that was one of my businesses, landscaping. Um, <laughs> God, I had a friend with, with who had the first DSL connection in middle school. And, you know, we started making porn CDs. So, I'm not uh, not the proudest of that, but that is that is true. So, you definitely have that hustler mentality growing up, especially slinging porn DVDs. Uh, <laughs> you know, a quality product at a quality price is what I've always believed in. And uh, yeah, that, that did the trick in middle school, I guess. Yeah, that's great. And as you get older and you go on to Bryant University uh, for college, is there ever anything that's even doubting you in your mind that you're going to start your own business? Like, are, are you thinking like, maybe I'll go into marketing or accounting because it's more stable? Or is it, I'm going to go here, learn as much about business as possible in order to start my own one day? So, when I got to Bryant, uh, a place that I really do love uh, because it has that... You know, just the college is a great place. I loved college. I had a great time. And uh, yeah, I actually ran a, a business while I was there, a uh, property management business and had a landscaping company going back home. But, you know, it was, you were surrounded or surrounded with smart people and you had lots of resources and you had the ability to kind of move up in the world starting at 18 years old. So I was really excited for that. And, uh, 
But what I discovered very quickly was that the university was, it was truly a business university, but focused on corporate finance and accounting. And it wasn't uncommon for people to get internships, you know, across the street at Fidelity and these finance firms and wear suits to class. And because, uh, you know, they had internships or interviews after and all that stuff. And, and that was great. And I, I fell for that. Uh, Eh, briefly, but I realized that I wanted to go out and do my own thing. And I started asking around. And you know, the answer at the time from the university was kind of, you should have gone to Babson for that. And uh, as an entrepreneurial spirit, I said, well, that's certainly not the answer I was looking for. We're going to start an entrepreneur's organization here. We're going to petition the university to bring on an entrepreneurship major. And we, we created this amazing uh, entrepreneur group and, and then uh, curriculum. And so, we were, were really able to change the culture at the university. And about five years later, after I graduated and we had won national awards for this organization, uh, and then, you know, everybody starts piling on the bandwagon once you start winning national awards for, for something that you started at the school. Uh, you know, then they were all rah-rah entrepreneurship and say, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's great. But we actually found out that entrepreneurship was the number one declared major at the entire school uh, just a year after I graduated, which would have been about five years after we started this chapter of the Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization. That's an incredible accomplishment. Is that what sparks the idea for under 30 CEO and... When did you start that actually? Were you still at school when you first launched it? So we had, uh, I had just graduated and I moved back home to Poughkeepsie with the, the lean to on top of the small hill or, or whatever it translates to. And it kind of, uh, let's say it was, it was pretty depressing to be back in the suburbs and, trying to, you know, I turned down all my job offers and I had several of, of them coming out of school, but I knew I wanted to do my own thing. And we realized that it was 2008 and everyone was actually losing their jobs. The, the stock market was crashing. Uh, actually, we had uh, personal financial uh, or family financial troubles. My mom was in real estate and we ended up having to, uh, to be roommates in a little apartment, uh, after we had to, uh, basically have a fire sale on our, on our house. Um, and I realized, whoa, this just got real as far as the global financial crisis went. And so I looked around and I thought, all these people must be, all these people in our generation need to, be out there and, and be starting businesses because their jobs are literally be, been taken from them. And what are we going to do? There must be other people at home in the suburbs trying to figure it out. And, and sure enough, there were hundreds of thousands of them. And so we started this online community, started a, a fantastic blog that published news advice, interviews, articles, uh, grew it to about a half a million readers per month. And yeah, but the absolutely our uh, entire reason for starting this was to be surrounded by smart, young, innovative, passionate people again. And before we move into the, the business itself, I want to go back to the moment where you said you had the job offers that you're turning down because you knew you wanted to start your own thing and you had some uh, financial family troubles with the real estate market. Is there any pushback from like your mom or family or friends thinking, why aren't you just taking these job offers and getting that steady paycheck right now, rather than taking this huge chance when we're already having some troubles as it is? Well, I would say that everybody has been extremely supportive uh, through my whole life for all my entrepreneurial endeavors. And my family has always believed in me. But with that being said, I think people definitely scratch their heads. And uh, it wasn't in the case of my mom and I living together and uh, renting a little apartment and, uh, and all of that, you know, we ended up completely downsizing our lifestyle, moving to this little apartment together. And this is after I'd been living with my six best friends at college. And so major lifestyle change and uh, back to the cold winter of New York. And yeah, it was just, 
it, it was just one of those moments where you're like, all right, well, you start to doubt yourself a little bit. But instantly when my mom came to me and she told me, hey, look, uh, you know, I really need you to contribute this. We, we can't have just like, hey, this is what's going to have to happen. We're going to lose our house or a place to, to live. Um, it turned into, okay, let me go on Craigslist and let me find the first job that I can find. The very first job that I could find was for a driver. Uh, it was $15 an hour for a landscaping crew. And I thought, all right, yeah, I'll just be wheeling and dealing. I'll, uh, I'll be driving around and on my phone and being able to answer emails and continue to start this business. And I can, I can work on it as a side hustle. And this will all just be temporary. But as soon as I got to that job, they showed me a dump truck and a 15 foot trailer and a crew of migrant workers from Mexico who just worked me under the table every single day. You know, I was just, I was not allowed to sit in the truck and just be the driver just because I had a driver's license. There was none of that. I was part of this crew and I was literally digging ditches with guys who were born and bred to do this type of work. And I was just the, the sad little gringo. And, uh, so that, that taught me quite a bit. Uh, yeah, that taught me quite a bit, but I came home, tried to make it happen, put on a pot of coffee, which God, I would never have coffee after, uh, 3 PM now, but it back in the day. Yeah. I would just crank out till two o'clock in the morning, be back at the job at six, six thirty, and do it all over again. And so, uh, yeah, I, I really wanted to, to be able to quit that job. And, uh, sure enough, yeah, the business under 30 CEO started to make enough money. So I could. And when you did start making money, do you have one like, holy shit moment? This is actually working or is it more of a gradual process? It was very gradual. Most, most of the holy shit moments actually were because of the, uh, following that we were able to get and how all of a sudden we could put up a, a really good quality piece of content on the internet and it could go viral. And that tons of people were then emailing us and following. So, you know, Twitter had just came out. We were able to all of a sudden uh, find, you know, tens of thousands of, of followers through that and develop all these relationships with press like the Huffington Post, which I still write for today. You know, we we're uh, very good friends with the original people at Business Insider who were able to drive us tons of traffic and uh, all of these pop-up media outlets. You know, we were right in there with the big boys. You know, we had meetings at uh, Inc. Magazine and developed these relationships. So those were the kind of holy shit, this is working moments. But monetizing a website is not all that easy. Now it's a lot easier, I think. Because people are more trusting online. Uh, the path has been blazed for people. The tools are out there. You know how to get a website to convert. If you, you know, go and take a course on it, you can, you can figure it out. But, uh, back in the day, it was uncharted territories. It was the wild west. We were trying everything. And so just tried tons of different business models. We picked up consulting gigs. It was anything to, to put food on the table to pay the rent. Uh, eventually, we were able to move to New York City and then really get into the networks that we wanted to be into. Yeah. And you, so you're trying all these different business models. What are the ones that really stick and you're able to really grow from? So consulting is really easy. I would say from the perspective that you can get people to pay you to tell you to to tell them what you know and guide them through it and do the work for them and so for online media especially we're talking 2009 now 2010 that was really easy for us to be like hey look how we gained our following look how we have this amazing community online look at our skills on our blog our email list all of these things and so other people want to learn that from us. So that was able to bring in a nice little income for us and be able to, you know, like I said, we could live in New York City and uh, start to be more comfortable. But we really wanted to grow and build into a company. And we realized that 
consulting, you're just trading time for money. And we didn't want to do that. We wanted to build something that was truly scalable. Yeah. So what what is it that makes it scalable rather than just a consulting gig? So, you know, back in the day uh, with under 30 CEO, look, if we were driving a half a million people to our website, obviously we're making money through ads, although you're still getting paid very little per impression. But once you have start stuff to sell on your website, once we had events, once we had seminars, once we had online courses, that starts to be scalable. So we would try to drive a ton of traffic to the website. And then after we drove the traffic to the website, it, uh, you know, it was just a matter of getting our things to convert, which is what ended up leading us to under 30 experiences, which is what was our first retreat for entrepreneurs. Originally, the business model was just retreat for entrepreneurs. And that really started to scale for us. And it was way more fun, which was very important to us uh, and still is. Yeah. Before we really dive into the under 30 experiences, I want to go it back to when you said you're starting to try all these different uh, businesses or business platforms to try to build a brand and make money. Is there one failure when trying to do that that stands out to you that set you up for success later on because of what you learned from it? One failure. Uh, That's interesting because it's interesting to try to identify one failure because so many things failed for us. And uh, just to kind of give you a scope, you know, we had websites for you know, we had this website under 30 CEO, right? But we had all sorts of different products. We thought we could have a kind of Groupon type site, which is a uh, site, which is now what AppSumo is, right? And we had that business model and we tried that out for, I don't know, a couple months and it worked, but not enough to pay our bills. So we scratched it and moved on. And uh, so now like Noah Kagan, he's a friend of mine and you know, that's a, that's a, uh, eight figure business, which is amazing, but we didn't have the patience, uh, or really the startup capital to be able to do that. And so, you know, and, and there's, we have lots of little examples like that. We had something called the rockstar business series, and we had a lot of different courses and we were doing live trainings for people and, uh, you know, we we liked it, but it was time intensive. Uh, our first one did well. It paid us a few thousand dollars and we were able to, to pay our rents and put food on the, the table again. But we, for some reason, were a little bit impatient with that business model and we moved on to try something else. So, we kind of we really fell into the scatterbrained entrepreneur type. And if you don't have any money to start with, which we did not, then you become more and more scattered brained and you start to chase squirrels or shiny objects and try to get onto the next thing, onto the next thing. And we're all about throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. But, uh, you know, just, just, be cautious about that because you can do you can do too much of that if you don't you know let it stick to the wall for a little bit longer or give it enough time before you throw the next thing out there. Yeah, I totally hear what you're saying and obviously one thing that does stick is the under 30 experiences. And when you're just starting that as you said it was more of a retreat at first and then you turn it into a full-blown travel service. How is that like, how do you even begin that? Because you obviously created a viable and successful with all these all this traffic coming to your website and blog. But now you're getting into something you don't have experience in, and that's starting this travel company. How do you even begin that? Because I think that's a lot of reasons a lot of people don't even begin to try something. It's because they're like, I don't even know where to start. To be honest, that never even occurred to me at the time. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but... I just never thought I, I've really, now I have that mentality now that I'm a bit more seasoned and I've failed lots of times at things that I didn't have experience at and that I'm trying to stay laser focused on 
under 30 experiences and our model and what we do. And now that we have something that's doing so well, not keeping, uh, always keeping our foot on the gas on that and kind of going in with, with blinders on as we continue to scale. But yeah, like I said, we got, we got caught up, um, kind of chasing, chasing squirrels there for a little while. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just so important that you learn those, you you learn those lessons early on. Uh, but yeah, again, we had that youthful exuberance and we're like, all right, Let's put this up on our website and let's see if anybody signs up. And it was still kind of that do or die mentality, that really young startup mentality where, sure, we had a six-figure business by then, uh, like you said, and we were starting to get into something new, but we just had confidence that it would work out. We, we met some Icelandic uh, mountain guides that were really awesome that said that they could bring our groups of entrepreneurs to Iceland for a really good time. And we basically said, all right, hell, let's do it. And uh, yeah, we, we didn't give it much thought to answer your question. <laughs> I like that, actually. And um, can you explain what the under 30 experiences is now and all the trips you do? Because obviously, one thing that sticks out from other travel services or trips are the fact that it's all young people or entrepreneurs. But I know there's more to it than that. Can you explain what exactly you guys do? Sure. So it started as entrepreneurs, uh, but now anybody ages 21 to 35 can come on our trips. Uh, we are a travel company and we do trips for young people and you sign up for a trip and you show up and you probably don't know the other uh, 10, 15 people on the trip, but we're going to send you so somewhere awesome we have destinations everywhere from Costa Rica to Machu Picchu, Bali, Indonesia, Thailand, France and Spain, Ireland, Scotland, London. Uh, of course, I mentioned Iceland. And yeah, we, we're group travel for, for young people because sure, the entrepreneurs, that was a fun market and that was the audience that we had at the time. But those people are really busy and they're either super rich and super busy or they're very broke and also very busy trying to make money. And so we thought, wait a second, what about all these other awesome people that are asking if they can come on our trips? So we scrapped the trips for entrepreneurs and we just opened it up. And that's, uh, yeah, kind of opened up the floodgates because like I was joking earlier that we deliver uh quality products at a quality price. I mean, that's, that's absolutely not a joke because we, we just deliver mind blowing times. I mean, every, we make sure that everybody has an awesome time and we bend over backwards to make sure that happens. And, uh, word got out, especially with social media. And do you go on most of the trips yourself? So I went on every trip for the first three years, uh, almost every trip for the first four years. Obviously that got very, taxing uh, on for, for so many different reasons, right? Uh, yeah. And I literally just couldn't keep up. Uh, now we have hundreds of trips every year. So it's physically impossible because we have you know, multiple trips running on, on any given date uh, of the season. So I can't be on in too many places at one time, unfortunately, but uh, I still try to live close to the action in Costa Rica a good portion of the year. And, uh, you know, I've, yeah, I hiked the Inca Trail this year. I've got a great trip um, out to France lined up for this summer. Yeah, I, I still get around. Don't, uh, don't doubt that. Yeah, that sounds pretty amazing. And one thing I want to ask you about is, as you said, at first you put the under 30 experiences on the under 30 CEO website, but now it's its own separate business. And you guys ended up selling um, or getting acquired the under 30 CEO website and blog. Can you go into why you decided to do that and solely focus on the under 30 experiences? Yes. Yeah, so again, startup mentality, do or die mentality. Uh, we were no longer eating ramen noodles and peanut butter and jelly. But still, if you want something to grow, you have to focus, especially when you know in your gut that the thing that you're doing is the right thing. Uh, 
especially because of the impact that it was able to make on the people who come on our trips. You know, people just make honestly just transformations in their life when they start to travel and try new things and get outdoors and reconnect with themselves and have make new friends. And it's, you know, when all they're been stuck doing is, is working and eating unhealthy foods, et cetera. So we just realized that, well, under 30 experiences was much bigger than under 30 CEO. And we wanted to, uh, give it to, to good hands. Uh, we wanted to perpetuate, you know, we wanted to perpetuate our legacy. We wanted to sell it to somebody who was, uh, was going to take good care of it. And we had a few different offers on the table, but eventually we went with Daniel Di Piazza and his team at Rich 20 something. And he had been a, he's a great friend of mine. If, if you don't know Daniel, I would definitely check out his podcast, but it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it, it was pretty awesome to kind of, it was a weight off of our shoulders for sure, because then we could continue to focus on what we were doing best. And that was giving awesome experiences to young people. Yeah. And I actually came across you initially from Daniel's book, The Rich 20 something. It, it hit me right at the perfect time where I heard about it when I was just starting this and I read it and then, and then I read your excerpt and I was like, shit, that guy is literally living the life I'm trying to build. So I've uh, I've been on the radar, kind of creeping on the websites for a while now. But uh, that's I think that's a great decision because Daniel delivers a lot. I've I've got some of his products now too, so that was definitely the right move. Um, and then I want to move forward into a question that has really been on my mind since preparing for this. And you've been living this digital nomad life, basically, as you said, you're traveling for like the first three years every trip. What have you learned most about yourself through putting yourself through traveling and meeting so many different people and experiencing so many different cultures? What is the big thing you've taken away from that? Oh my God, that's an amazing question. I hardly know where to begin because I am nothing like the person that I was before I started traveling five years ago. So I took off to Iceland. Like I mentioned, I got back in touch with the outdoors, the glaciers, the volcanoes, the just overpowering force uh, of of nature and the adventure that I had been missing in New York. You know, I hadn't been skiing and doing the things that I loved. And so going to Iceland and, you know, I literally got to ski on untouched peaks uh, and, and you probably are, are thinking, well, I've never heard of skiing in Iceland. And that's because there's really not a whole lot of skiing in Iceland unless you go into the pack country. And it was just, you know, I had my own guide bring me up and down the mountain on the snowmobile and he turned to, out to be a, a really good friend of mine. And so just connecting with all of that stuff. Um, that was the huge, that was the first thing I was like, all right, I need to take change directions in my life because I'm living a block down from Wall Street in the concrete jungle and this is not me. Uh, and then I really had to you know, start to take a, a deeper look inside because I started to spend a lot of time solo. And if there's there are any solo entrepreneurs out there listening, you you know that entrepreneurship can be lonely and now go on the road and or any travel bloggers listening out there. That's a very lonely thing because you're out there, digital nomads. It's it's not all that's cracked up to be. I mean, it's really awesome, trust me. But there are its downsides for sure because it's challenging. You know, you're away from your culture. And I, I learned to to speak Spanish fluently. I picked up quite a bit of French to be able to get around France. I uh, started to practice yoga been practicing, geez, now, I guess for the last seven years, completely transformed, you know, not only my body, but my mind as well. I developed a meditation practice, which is something that I'll do uh, most likely every day for the rest of my life and just have found so much clarity. And, you know, I no longer put ramen noodles and peanut butter and jelly into my body because, uh, yeah, I want to put the best possible fuel into myself to be able to get the best out of myself. And yeah, so, so yeah, I've, I've just learned so much. And, uh, you know, I, when I first moved uh, abroad, when I first moved to Costa Rica, I decided, all right, I'm going to live 
super minimalist. I'm going to pay off my student loans. I'm going to save a bunch of money. I'm going to live for, I think my rent was less than $300 a month. And, you know, it was a shabby little place, but I had my surfboard in the corner and a cafe up the street that I could get internet at, uh, from. And that's all I needed. And so, saved up money, the business kept growing. And uh, from there, yeah, I mean, after all that, I can't, I can't even imagine who I was five years ago, kind of looking back on it. That's a, a great question to, to allow me to reflect. I can't tell you how much I love that entire answer. Um, <laughs> and, you know, one thing I feel like in today's climate and society, if you turn on the news, all you hear is basically people being bad to each other and everyone kind of hating on each other. But you've had all these amazing experiences and we just reflected on what you learned. But what would you, what have you learned about other people and hopefully a positive way that you can share with us through seeing all these different cultures? That's an interesting question. Um, I mean, honestly, most of my travels have been through Latin America, Southeast Asia. I've traveled a bit in Europe, uh, but to be honest, that was less impactful to me than going to places that uh, are a little bit more disconnected from the Western world or from the developed world. So, to me, being in a place like Peru and Machu Picchu, where you're in the Andes at 13,000 feet with these people that are so kind and so humble. And, you know, a lot of them don't, you know, they don't have cell phones. Uh, a lot of the people, I'm, I'm certainly not speaking about the, the majority here, but we go to these little towns quite often where people are living completely differently than than we are at home. And uh, yet, they just seem to have a smile on their face and they're super cheerful and they give you the time of day. And I was, you know, when I would go back to New York, I would just get such culture shock because the level of unhappiness, unfortunately, when you when you walk around the streets, and it depends how you see it, but I really saw quite a bit of unhappiness, especially at first when I've came to back to the city, everybody walking around with their headphones on and looking down at their screens as if the screens were controlling them, which guess what? Your screens are controlling you. Uh, you are probably not in control. And just to, to go to a place like Machu Picchu and, and the Andes and be able to, people, they don't even speak Spanish. They still, still speak the native language Quechua and they partake in their uh, native traditions and all of these things and have this sense of unity and family, which I'm not saying in the United States that we've completely lost that, but we're very scattered. And when we are with the people that we care about, are we really fully present? You have to ask, or are we on our phone worried about the next notification or worried about the next in, uh, email that's going to come on your inbox? Or even if you're not on your phone, you're thinking about your to-do list and not sitting there fully enjoying. And uh, yeah, I, I still fall into that every once in a while, but I just try to be more mindful about it. Yeah, it's so true. Because I, I can just think of like when you're with your friends at a gathering and or you're out to dinner. And if you just take a step back and look, sometimes every single person is just sitting there on their phone and you're not even talking. And it's, it's crazy how disconnected we've become with the use of the iPhone. And because you can basically get any information you want, but then you miss out on that human connection, at least in my mind. Sure. It killed the lively dinnertime debate because nobody can say anything wrong anymore these days and have a lengthy debate about it because somebody just Googles it and finds the right answer. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, let me check these six emails also. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of how family conversations go. I'm not saying that having the world of information at your fingertips is not an incredible thing because it's the reason I am where I am today in this incredible opportunity, but it's just different and we just have to uh, observe what's going on and yet not walk around like zombies. For sure. And one thing you mentioned is when you would come back to New York and you would see how unhappy people were and they're, you know, just with the headphones in, walking around. What do you think is one of the main reasons that 
someone who is unhappy and they want to break that nine to li- nine to five lifestyle and go after something they want, what you, why is it, why are they so hesitant when they aren't happy to go after it? I mean, it's it's out of their comfort zone, right? It's scary. It's uh, it's ego where you're saying, "What if I fail? What about that conversation that I have to have with my uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, mom, uh, grandma?" friends, you know, I've had so many friends who have just called me crazy time and time again. And I really don't care at this point. But before I did, I had to condition, I had to have thick skin. I had to condition myself to not care so much and just go ahead and and believe in myself. But I worked that muscle. I exercised that muscle. I did things that scared me as cliche as that is. If you've just been in your little comfort zone and you went to college and they hand you a diploma and you got a job after that and you show up and magically every two weeks there's money in your bank account and you have a roof over your head every night and all all of those things are true, well, pretty easy. Uh, Actually, it's funny. This is a little bit of a uh, side note, Sean, but I had a friend and uh, one of my first friends, I'm 32. So, one of my first friends, really close friends to have a baby and uh, the kid, you know, we were at like the after after party for the baby shower or whatever, where the guys were invited and, you know, bought my buddy a, a beer and I said, man, are you excited? What's going, you know, are you nervous? And he's like, man, he says, Everybody does this shit. He says, do you think I'm going to fuck this up? And I was like, no, you're right. Like, you got this. He's like, this is the path. This is what everybody does. It's cut out in front of me. You know, he's a smart guy. He's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to screw up. I'm good. And uh, it was almost, and maybe this is, again, my ego, but it was almost to say, or let's say I took it. I had got the opportunity. I took the opportunity to reflect on what he had said. And I thought, geez, yeah, uh, from someone who is on, well, let's say the unbeaten path, it does, it looks a little weird what he's doing. I, that made me nervous. I was like, oh God, a, a baby, what, what would I do with that? But when you think about it, uh, the unbeaten path is the one that scares the shit out of everybody else, you know, that, that they look at like he can't, this guy came to visit me and uh, we had a, a birthday party. I had my birthday party when I turned 30 in, in Nicaragua. And uh, this guy's eyes lit up like, where the hell are you taking me? This place is way off the beaten path. And, um, you know, so I'm sure he, I mean, he's one of my closest friends. I, I'm sure he looks at me and he's like, what the hell, man? You're you're crazy. Like you're the one who ha- who who should be nervous with your your lifestyle. So it was just a, a funny aside, but uh, I, I thought you'd you'd appreciate that. Yeah, no, that's actually I love that. And you know, one thing is we really focus on with the show is rather than for someone who is going down the typical path right now, but they're always just thinking and they're like, I want to go down that unbeaten path and try something on my own and go for it. But I think so many of it just stop the thinking aspect that we said, like they're scared of failure and the getting out of their comfort zone. Is there one thing that you could suggest for someone to do today to make them stop thinking and start doing and commit and actually start moving things forward? You know, uh, there's so many things I think that people should do. When I mentioned that getting out of your comfort zone or being in uncomfortable situations is a muscle and if all of a sudden you're the guy who, hey, says, hey, let's, let's go bungee jumping. Hey, let's go parasailing. Hey, let's uh, camp outside at night. Uh, camp outside at night, obviously, would be nighttime. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you would camp outside. You know, you would sl- let's sleep outside tonight. Or uh, let's sign up for a meditation class. Or any of these things that I guess I mentioned that I went through. Let's go to a country that is on the unbeaten path uh, here, like like Nicaragua. Go sign up for a place that's raw where, hell, you might get robbed. And uh, now that is not a place where we bring people. Uh, Nicaragua is great. Uh, we, we actually used to bring people on under 30 experiences trips, but it just wasn't all that popular. But 
sign up for, for any trip and, and try to speak a different language. That gets you out of your comfort zone, right? Like sit with an, uh, sit for an hour under a tree and try to practice meditation. That's going to get annoying. That's going to get, that's going to work your, your comfort zone muscles. Show up to a yoga class if you don't think that, uh, that would be something that you would enjoy doing or, uh, be comfortable doing. You know, I learned to surf and when a wave's about to, to crush you, hey, that's discomforting and that is really a great thing. So, so learning new skills uh, and just trying new things, getting as many experiences in life as you can. I mean, by the time it's over, you're going to want to say, hey, I did it all. I can, I'm ready to die now. I'm good. Let's see what happens next. Let's see what happens after this. And that's just, that's how I'd like to go out. And, and just in case that happens anytime soon, hell yeah, let's, uh, let's get a bunch of fun stuff done and, and keep building that muscle and have all those different experiences. So that's what I would say. I would say just get out there and, and start exercising that, uh, that muscle that brings you out of your com comfort zone and you'll start gaining the confidence to be able to do bigger and bigger things. For sure. And Matt, you've honestly never had a real problem with taking action and getting out of that comfort zone and going for things. And that's allowed you to build this life in this business that a lot of people dream about. And that's being able to go around the world, travel the world, live in Costa Rica, and run your business from your laptop. What would you say are the key things that have allowed you to stay disciplined and run that business while you're also experiencing the world in all these amazing ways? Ooh, uh, I would actually say, for me personally, you use the word right there, and that is discipline. So, people ask me all the time, oh, how could you stay motivated at the beach? Well, it's pretty, it's a ridiculous question to me because I want to stay at the beach. So, I am motivated to work hard and then be able to go outside and play. So, that's really easy for me. Uh, but I am extremely disciplined and it doesn't sound like fun. And actually, often, it's not fun. There are a lot of things in the business that aren't fun to do. There are a lot of things uh, that you need to stay disciplined uh, about when you're trying to create a life that you want. And, and so, you know, I, I mentioned that my, my diet is very strict. I don't put junk into my body. Yeah, I would love to. Like, what does somebody offer? I mean, I miss pasta, right? But I don't eat gluten because, you know, it's proven to, to give you brain fog and, you know, spike your, uh, yeah, uh, spike your blood sugar. It's just, it's not how I want to live, but you, you stay disciplined. Uh, it is how I want to live. I want to stay stay disciplined, uh, but I don't want to live with elevated uh, blood sugar and cortisol and stress and all that. Or sometimes staying in is having to stay disciplined. Sometimes skipping a workout is staying disciplined. Uh, you know, getting up when the sun rises every day is something that I do, and that takes discipline and. Uh, when they say showing up is, is half the battle, I mean, it's a good part of it. Y your alarm goes off. I, I try to look up what time the sunrise is going to be and get up with the sun and uh, try to prioritize my, my day as best as possible. You know, it's really easy just to jump into your inbox every day and, and take care of everyone else's priorities, but it's even better to set your own priorities, but that takes discipline because, yeah, I wanted to respond to those seven text messages and uh, check my voicemail and do whatever before I took the time to take care of myself. But I know that that doesn't fall within my values and then your priorities get out of whack and then you don't achieve the things in the very short amount of time that we have on this planet. So, uh, yeah, I, I hope that helps. Yeah, and you've just given us some insights into some of like your morning routine. And that's one thing when I was preparing for this interview, I was reading an article that you're featured in and you have a very disciplined and strict uh, morning routine. Can you just go through that real quick? Because that's something that always fascinates me because I feel like a lot of successful people have these very down-to-the-pat morning routines that set them up to succeed in the day. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'll give you um, kind of a, a mid-level version because this varies as I travel because 
you know, you gotta, you have to stay adaptable, but I try to wake up when the sun comes up so that my circadian rhythm, my body's internal clock is in sync with, with the planet. I think it's the healthiest way to, to live. Uh, I feel the best that way. So, all right. So I, I get up in the morning, always try to knock out uh, 30 minutes of meditation. Used to be an hour. Right now it's 30 minutes. It just, it just fluctuates depending on what I think my body needs. Um, I usually try to uh, take up intermittent fasting in the morning. So I don't eat unless I'm actually really hungry and I've worked out the day before I work out in the evening. So if I'm hungry that morning and I know my body needs fuel, I'm not going to starve myself. So I'll, I'll have breakfast, but usually take a bunch of, uh, taking a bunch of water, uh, from really clean sources. I try not to drink out of the tap anymore if I can but have access to spring water and not in a million little bottles. Um, but, you know, good filtered water. I try to put a little lemon or a little bit of apple cider vinegar in there to, to help flush out my system, alkalize the, alkalinize the system, and I sit down and write. And that's the very most important thing to me because it's, it's my first priority spreading the mission, getting that creativity out of me. Uh, I don't have my phone. I, I have not looked at my phone yet. In fact, my phone is almost always on airplane mode. And yes, uh, <laughs> my friends and family, it does drive them nuts a little bit, but they know when I'm in the office and my team, but they know my team knows when I'm in the office and they know what I'm not. And that's fine. And, uh, and, and they respect that. And I'm always very responsive and, and respectful of their time. But if I'm up early writing, if I'm in Costa Rica and I'm uh, sitting there enjoying the monkeys and the, uh, yeah, the sloths and the, the little guys who all the different types of birds that come there to our little jungle backyard at the pool and are, are looking to eat the papayas and bananas and mangoes that are out there growing. I mean, that's my time before kind of the craziness sets off and the phone does start going off and there are things that need my attention. I try to get 20 minutes of sun every morning to help wake up my body. Um, I love to drink coffee. Uh, yeah, I love to drink coffee or a little green tea and matcha and ginger and, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a biohacker. I, I try to do every little thing that I can for my body to, to optimize my performance. I'll put a little bit of bulletproof brain octane in whatever I'm drink, drinking to give me a little extra fats in the morning to get my brain going. But, but that's basically it. I know I mentioned a lot of little things, but it's basic. Get up, meditate, hydrate, get some sun, write. That's pretty, pretty basic. And it's, it, uh, I think, the most basic things are things that you can actually stick to. The best kind of morning routine is one that you will actually do. I completely agree with that. And, you know, meditation is one thing that I try so hard to stay disciplined at. And I, I, I just struggle with it so much. And like today, I did seven minutes. And to think that you do an hour, I, I'm not even close to being able to reach that. Can you just explain one way that you've been able to really grow in the meditation? Because it's so hard to be able to truly get into it and be doing it every day for extended periods. Sure. So honestly, I would suggest one of these apps. Um, I started with Omvana, O-M-V-A-N-A -A, uh, from Mind Valley, and it's kind of like a mini iTunes store where you can download these guided meditations. Now, I'm more advanced in my practice, and so I I really don't want to rely have to rely on a guided meditation. I want to be able to do it myself with uh, no with no training wheels, with no support. But I would suggest that uh, I think it's Calm. Calm. I think is one of the apps. Uh, there's another one that's really uh, popular. I, I've never used it, but they're they're out there. So definitely research the meditation apps, and they're gamified. You can keep track of these things. Uh, they're excite. You know, they're they're as exciting. They'll work you up from three minutes to four minutes to seven minutes to ten minutes, and that's better. I, I would say than uh, anything that I could probably suggest, but also. I don't know. It see it's a little weird at first when you try to sign up for a mindfulness class or you try to go to a meditation class or you 
uh, might go to yoga. And again, it's out of your comfort zone. But once you're around a community and go to a yoga class and look how happy those people usually are. And yeah, it, it, it's a little bit addicting. It's, you want to go back there and you're like, oh, maybe I should meditate and be what these people are on all zen out. And that's that's pretty cool as well. So, but uh, yeah, the it's discipline is a big thing with that. But once you're hooked, once you're in it, once that is part of your life, I don't feel right when I don't meditate in the morning now. If I have to wake up at, you know, 5 a.m. like I am tomorrow before the sun rises, which is not my favorite thing to do, I'll I'll knock out some meditation on the plane. I'm not going to wake up an extra half hour early, but I make sure I do get it in and, and try to stay true to that. And it makes such a difference whenever I do get in the flow of it in my routine. It's insane how much it, I mean, it really does just like clear my head and just help my breathing even throughout the day. So that is something I'm definitely going to keep working on. And as we really start to wrap things up here, when you look back at when you first started that entrepreneurial society and at uh, Bryant University, and then starting under 30 CEO to where you are now with under 30 experiences, what does that mean to you that you've created this amazing life and you're influencing so many and helping other people now through the travels and like how much you worked your ass off for it? Like, what does that mean when you are able to do something like this and reflect back on all your experiences? I mean, it, it's really, I mean, obviously it's really cool, but it's a, it, it's an honor to be able to share with people, I think, because I was there and, struggling and unhealthy and stressed out and had a lot of energy but no direction and was trying to find my way and I had a lot of uh, internal stuff that I get, had to get past uh, frustrations and angers and uh, yeah it was just uh, I just had a lot of energy and and needed to to channel that in the right direction and uh, luckily I had the freedom from my parents to be able to go in whatever direction I chose. And I chose a lot of different little directions. Uh, but now, yeah, it's, it's all about, okay, first, yes, I do need to make myself uh, as happy as possible. I do need to do the right things for me, keep myself healthy, etc., and fall into line with my values. But then I want to open up and, uh, yeah, I want to share with other with other people and and connect with other people and help them along that path because that's how we're able to make the world a better place. Otherwise, we're just all in it for our own self interests, and that's not very that's not something to hang your hat on at the end of the day. Really, like you can't take that stuff with you, but if you can leave an impact, if you can leave a legacy, if you can touch other people in a way where they pay that forward to generations to come and they do positive things on this planet, then that's, that's extremely fulfilling. So that's, that's what I'm working towards. That's great. And this whole conversation has been very, very incredible. And I've loved every second of it. I just want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and all your insights with us. And just to end things, you have any final words? No, Sean, this has been, this has been fun. Uh, you've been a great interview, uh, interviewer. And, uh, yeah, if anybody wants to connect, I'm happy to send me an email, mad at under 30 experiences.com. Uh, hopefully I can keep, keep up with emails and, and get back at you. But if anybody's interested in coming down to Costa Rica and visiting, yeah, hell, I mean, we, we literally do yoga at my house, uh, for for the groups who come through on our starter Costa Rica trip in in Menlo Antonio, and uh, we just want to inspire young people to go out and and live the way that they want to live instead of doing what society tells them to do. So yeah, I hope people take something from this and make a big step in the right direction. Love it, and I will be sure to put your email as well as the website and social, everything in the show notes. So go check that out if you're digging what Matt's saying. I think you will be. And Matt, just once again, thank you so much and uh, hope we talk soon. You got it, Sean. Appreciate it. Hey, Lifted Room Podcast listeners. If you've been listening for a while, you understand how much importance that I place on yoga, meditation, adventure, travel, 
and being in nature. And I have all of those things set for you guys this April 24th through 30th with none other than former podcast guest and, of course, my girlfriend, Luz Garcia, our yoga teacher for Under 30 Experiences. We are hosting a yoga and mindfulness retreat together, and I would love if you wanted to take the next step in our relationship and come and actually hang out. I promise that I will show you a good time in Costa Rica on this eco lodge eating three organic meals per day that come from the ground there on the farm at the base of the Arenal volcano amazing yoga platform overlooking this beautiful little river uh, it is deep in the rainforest. There are all sorts of activities to get you outside of your comfort zone, whether it's the zipline canopy tour, whether it is uh, hikes through the jungle, horseback riding, uh, kayaking, anything that you guys want to do. This trip is all about you. So if you want to sign up, check us out under30experiences.com. Click Yoga in Costa Rica, and I'd love to see you there.